0: So I'm going to be talking to you about building. Now we, in the last few weeks, we were talking about preparing to build. So we want to get past the preparing to build side, and we want to start talking about the actual building. Now, I'm a builder by trade, and uh, one of the things that is really important is the attitude of the, the, the people that work for you. If you're going to employ tradesmen or if you're going to employ an apprentice or you're going to employ somebody who's going to work for you, you always want them to have a good attitude. And I remember when dad was uh, building and I was working for my dad, um, he would always be looking for that attitude, that, uh, that, that hardworking attitude in the lives of those that he employed. We would the same. One of the things that really offended us or really offends any, any employer is when, when you employ somebody and they are lazy and they're just looking at it and this is a job that they think that they can just, just work, you know, be there and collect the money without doing anything. You know, that sort of attitude. Now, I, I know that none of you would actually be like that. You're all very hard working people. But that, that was the thing that you look for in, in employees. You wanted them to be hardworking. You wanted them to show some level of diligence in their work. You, they, they had to think for themselves and think for you as well. So they had to think about what had to be done next, and they would get about doing it without actually being told. That was a good, a good discipline in their lives, and you'd look for that. And in in, in those sort of men, you'd just hang on to. Those sort of women you'd hang on to, those people who were were diligent in their lives and diligent in their work, you you would actually create work for them. If you had no work, you would create work for them just so you wouldn't lose them. You just wanted to keep those people because they were good, good employees. So I want to talk to you about diligence. We're, We're in the building process now. We're not building a building. We are building a people. We are building a village. And this village, you, part, you are part of that village. I'm part of that village. You're part of that village. This is a village. This is a village community. I'm probably the village idiot. That's okay. Somebody has to take that role. You can be, uh, well, Grahams, he's the, um, you're the, What the uh, Smith, what's the, What's sorry? The down crier. The down crier. <laughs> Possibly. I always thought of him as a blacksmith, you know. He's got the name. He's working with the fire all the time. Anyway, we're in the process of um, building a people. And this camp that's coming up is going to be a wonderful time in which we can actually get to know each other better and spend some time with each other and and, uh, build good, strong relationships across the way as well as with God. Isaiah chapter 61, and we read these verse. Um, Did I give those... Did I forget to? I forgot to bring those notes again. That's how, somebody has to do that for me, Nathan. Like, like, I have some notes for the people who have Swahili, and, and I wrote the scriptures in Swahili for them. And I forgot to bring them again. I'm sorry. Too many things in my mind. Anyway, Isaiah. If you're looking in your Bible, it's uh, 61 verse 4. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew. The ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Now this is this verse is speaking to us about the people that Jesus saves. In Isaiah sixty one it says jesus says uh, the spirit of the lord is upon me he's given he's um, anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the gospel and 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 in luke he actually says this day today as you hear this he he reads this uh, this passage of Isaiah out he says this is fulfilled in your hearing and then it goes on into verse four and it says they shall rebuild the ancient ruins and so he's talking about the people that jesus is actually going to pick up the people that jesus is going to mend and heal together one of the things that is common with all of us is that we're all broken i'm broken louise is broken len is broken not one of us here will tell you that we're not broken we're all broken we're broken with sin and if it wasn't for jesus we would still be broken jesus came and healed us he there's nothing different in our lives from each other we are all busted We're all broken. There's no perfect people here. Apart from the perfection that Jesus brings, everyone else here is busted. Jesus is the perfect one. If Jesus comes and lives inside you, you are made perfect because of his presence. You don't have to feel down because you're busted. You're in a group of busted people. We are all broken. Okay? That's our commonality. One of our commonalities is we're all broken and we need somebody to fix us. And Jesus is the one who's fixing us. And that's the good thing. That's why we're all together in this boat. There's no one here that's perfect, apart from the fact that Jesus makes us perfect. Isn't that right, Graham? Amen. That's what I like to hear. So we're all busted. And these people, these broken people, he said he's going to work in their lives and they're going to rebuild the cities. They're going to rebuild the broken places. What's he talking about? Well, you know, I just have to look in society now. And I, and I saw it last night. Uh, Graham and I, we drove up to where we preach on street preaching. And as we were going, driving up there, there was a young man standing in, in the thing and he has his little girlfriend. She would probably be 14 or 15 beside him. And he's, he, she's talking to him close up to his face like that. And then he turns around and he goes, whack, like that. And butts her straight in the face like that. And it made me so cross. I just, got, I just jumped out of the van. I said, hey, buddy, I saw that. I saw that. Well, what's our society is like that? It's so broken, it's so fractured. Everybody's fighting. Everybody. They don't care. You can get in the family, and the family is all pulling itself apart because everybody hates everybody in the family. Everybody's sick of everybody. There's fighting and there's breaking, and it's all fractured. It's all busted everybody's cohabiting together and the stats of if you cohabit together before you get married the stats of that is 93% of those who cohabit before they get to marry 93% of them ended divorce that's huge that's only 7% chance of having a happy marriage if you live together before you get married that's the stats that's the statistics Think about it: the society is smashed, it's broken. it's falling apart. Young people say, "Don't you tell me what to do? You're not my father. Don't you tell me what to do? You're not my mother. No one's going to tell me what to do. Don't you dare tell me teacher at school what you do? I'll do what I want to do." And the society, as we know it, is stuffed, completely broken. And Jesus says, "I'm going to make a new city." I'm going to make a new village. A village where people live together in harmony and love one another. And then when you love one another, people will see. They will see the difference and they'll know that I've come and they'll know that I've saved you. I'm going to make it different and you are going to rebuild the ancient ruins. You're going to rebuild this village, Jesus says. This city of righteousness. God is going to use us to build it up again. Where it's been broken down, he's going to make us whole. He's going to make us right. He's going to make us good. He's going to make us loyal. He's going to make us faithful. He's going to make us able to walk strong. He's going to make us and give us dignity again. Jesus says, you are going to rebuild us. And that's what we're doing here today. We're saying, we are going to start just here in this place. It may be started somewhere else in other places, but here, this is where I live, and I want it to happen around me. You want it to happen around you. Let's do it together. We are going to build together. So it can't ever happen, Mark. It's impossible. It's not possible. It's not possible. It won't ever take place. That's not what Jesus said. Everything that Jesus said is true. And he said, they will rebuild. And we can do this. If we put Jesus in the center of our lives and love Jesus more than anything else, we can do this. Amen? It says in Hebrews, and we looked at Noah the last few days, it says, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, So God told Noah that he's going to destroy the world by a flood. And by faith, he believed what God said. He said, by faith, God, Noah, uh, built the ark. He was moved with fear and prepared the ark for the saving of his house. And he preached to others and he wanted to save other people as well. But the rest of the society was just looking at him and saying, Noah, you're the biggest joke that we've ever seen. We actually come out and we look at you and we laugh. For a hundred years you've been building this huge great big liner bigger than this, this building here. And, and, you're, and you're standing there and you're preaching to us that God is going to destroy us with rain that's coming down from heaven. There's no such thing as rain. And they just laughed him to scorn. But he believed God. He didn't look at the situation. He didn't look at the circumstances around him. He believed God. He had faith in God. He believed God. what God said was true. And he built an ark to save his soul. And by which he condemned the world and, and became heir of the righteousness. That's by faith. He actually saved those people. He fa- saved his family because he believed God. You've got to believe God that you can rebuild this city. Have faith. Believe, God, that you can make a difference, that your life and your family can make a difference. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10, And by faith Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed, and he went, even though he didn't know where he was going. So we have Noah and we have his three sons. And those three sons, they have families and they spread out around the place. And Abraham was one of the sons of the grandsons of Noah, but he was living, his father was called Terrain, I think his name was, and, and he was living in the Ur of Chaldees. And when his father died, God spoke to Abraham and said, You know, I want you to go out from there and I want you to go towards where Israel is today. I want you to journey to where Israel is today because I'm going to give you that land. And look, Abraham heard God and said, Okay, this is really weird. I've never been there before, I don't know where I'm going, but you know what I'm going to do? I believe you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to step out and I'm going to go in that place. I'm going to go there. So he left the Ur of Chaldees and he, and he left with his family and he started to walk toward Israel, to where Israel was. It, it was called Canaan back then. It's where Israel lives now. It's where the Jews live now. That's where Abram was going. And it says there, and by faith he made his home home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country so he got to the promised land and he was there where God said he was going to inhabit it and he lived in that place with tents he did Isaac lived in tents they lived they were nomadic people they walked around in tents Nathan bought a tent to our place the other day I wish they they'll be wishing they had tents like Nathan's got you just sort of pop it open and the whole thing opens up like that and there it is all all you do is tack it down and she's done it's all loaded like that Right? They lived in tents, and they 'd have to poles and, and skins and then they 'd have to pack them up and move somewhere else and set them up again. It was a big deal, but they lived in that place that God promised them as they as they if they were strangers in the place, and why why? Because the Bible says, "For he's looking for a sit forward to a city which foundations whose architect and builder is God." See, Abraham saw something in the spirit. He, he looked and he said, "Look, I'm living here in this place." He says, "But you know, I'm looking for the city whose architect and maker is God." He could see that heavenly city, and he was looking for that. He wasn't looking for a place, a building a venue, some streets. He was looking for the place that God made. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the community that God makes. We're looking for the village that God makes. We're looking for the people that God pulls together. That people will be scattered out throughout this society, but it's a people that belong to God. Amen? And that's what he was looking for. Abraham looked for that city that God had built, and God selected Abraham to be the father of faith for all those who would live in the city of God. So he's our father of faith. Abraham is our father. What Abraham saw, we are looking for. What Abraham wanted, we want. What Abraham said he wanted to have from God, we want to have from God. He is our spiritual father, Abraham. He's the father of the faithful. He showed us the sort of faith that we should have in God. In uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus came and he said, when he was talking to Peter, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we have, we have Abraham looking for a city that God is going to be the architect and the, and, the, and the builder of. And Jesus said, I've come to build my church. And so Jesus is the builder as well. He's come, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." That. that. means it doesn't matter what the devil throws at us. It doesn't matter what the devil will do to it. Jesus said he is going to build his church. He's going to build it up nice and strong. That's Gervonta. Hello, Gervonta. Yeah, I know it's hard. It? You get caught in the, the maze. Come on, let me show you where your mummy is. That's your mummy. Oh, no, it doesn't, no, no, doesn't look like mummy. Similar. and we are God's fellow workers and so we know that Abraham was looking for something that God was building who was the architect, Jesus said I've come to build it then Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 9 that we are God's fellow workers so hey, this means we have to get involved so if God is the architect, Jesus is the builder And we are then the employees. We have to get involved because we can't, Jesus won't do it without us. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then Paul says, you're going to be part of this exercise. You are fellow workers with God. Now I, I find that extraordinary because what happens is God often does this. It's like, Sometimes I'll go and I'll do as much as I can. I'll reach out and do as much as I can. i say, God, what do you want me to say? Mark, I want you to go and I want you to talk to so-and-so and talk to them about their life. And I'll say, okay, I'll go. You've sent me. I'll go and I'll talk to that person about that. And I'll go and talk and, and, and they will sort of like, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. And I think, oh, well, I did what I could do. I try and did what I can do. I walk away and God says, well, I'm not finished with them yet. And they walk away over here and God goes, whack, 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 whack. And they come back and say, Mark, I'm really interested. Talk to me more about God. It's like God is working with us. And we are working with God. It's like we are working together with him. And so we have to recognize that God is at work and we are at work. Where you can't do any more, God can do the rest where you can do something God will not work because he's waiting for you to do what you can do sometimes we get into life and say Jesus if you don't want me to do this anymore take it away and uh, uh, look Jesus doesn't do that you sit there it doesn't it doesn't Jesus says you walk away from it now well I don't want to exercise any sort of self-discipline. I just want you to take it away from me. And Jesus says, no, I want you to be self-controlled. It's important that you now walk away. And so you have to do what you have to do, and Jesus will do what he has to do. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that evil will not release you unless you stop doing it. If I drink and I'm an alcoholic, When will I be free from alcoholism? Sorry? When I stop drinking. (laughs) That's the point. Or when you die. (laughs) You have to do what you have to do, and God will do what he will do. Okay, it says there, Paul, by grace he has given me... Uh, for by the grace he's given me, I laid a foundation, says Paul, as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. So I wanted, this is what we're going to be talking about today the, the idea of being careful how you build. And this is not going to be a sermon that's directed about what you're doing about other people. It's going to be a sermon that's directed to you about your life. So, this is a, a sermon where you're going to la- na- gaze at your navel, you're going to look in today. We don't do this very often, but you're going to look in today to make sure that your life is diligent so that you can be a strong person, a person with the right character to to get the building done. It says, therefore, no one can lay any other foundation that is already laid. That is Jesus Christ. Now, this is what it says in the Proverbs. It It says, this is the word diligent. And the word diligent means careful and persistent work and effort. Be careful how you build. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, it says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. So what is he saying there? He's saying the person who says, Okay, I have to do some hard work here. I have to get it done. And recognizes that there's some responsibility that you have to carry. You will get the work done and you'll probably do it well. You'll have abundant food, the Bible says. <clears throat> but the person who chases fantasies, well, he lacks judgment because in the end of the time, he won't have the food he wants. Now, if you, if you take it like motivation is one of the biggest things that we struggle with. And who's a procrastinator here? Who procrastinates? Yeah, that's a bad one, isn't it? Procrastination. Well, you know, I have to get up and I have to do this, this and this this morning, you know. But, you know, it's nice in bed. I like it in bed. I think I'll stay in bed. You know, I can get up a little later on. And think, oh, but oh, well, you know what? I'm going to sleep right through till when I have to go. But um, this afternoon, I'll do it this afternoon. I would rather dream a little bit this morning. I would rather watch a little bit of that stuff on the TV. I'd rather do something else. Rather than do that I think the thing that I have to do. So we leave it till the afternoon. We chase the fantasy in the morning and we leave it till the afternoon When the afternoon comes, guess what we do? Oh well, we've always got tomorrow. I mean the the assignment's not due till a week away. So we've got tomorrow we can maybe do it tomorrow. I'd rather do. I'd rather watch TV tonight. I'd rather watch, go and play basketball. I'd rather do something else. You know, I'll do it tomorrow. And of course, when tomorrow comes, what do we do? Oh, the bed is nice and warm again. Oh dear. So we're chasing fantasies. And the Bible says, if you chase fantasies, if that's part of the way you deal with life, He says uh, you, you lack judgment. He says diligent hands rule. And laziness ends in slave labor. In the end of the exercise, you will have to be controlled by somebody else if you don't get up and control yourself. If you don't control yourself, someone else will control you our society says that to all the the delinquents that are out there who decide that they want to do their own things and will not live according to the law of the land they say well you know you can live there you can do whatever you like well I'm going to drive around at 150 k's everywhere you're going to be so impressed with my big car and my fat tyres on the back and you're going to think I'm so big I'm going to lean out the window and say hey babe how you going I'm going to drive around like you you wish you were me you wish you had that car and I'm going to do my own thing and then Ben comes up and says you're hooning around in your car so we'll take your car away from you you broke the law five times so we're going to put you in a box and shut the door and why? because if you don't control yourself someone else will control you in life think about that young people think about that adults you have a responsibility to control yourself the word of God says if you don't control yourself someone else will control you it says in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 23 diligent hands will rule but laziness ends in slave labor we just did that one one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys you can destroy something or you get to be slack at the end of the exercise it still falls over Part of the uh, Building Services Authority, which is the company watchdog for builders, Builders Service Authority give you a license to build. You can't build in Australia unless you have a license from the Builders Service Authority. They have somewhat of a problem because a lot of guys go there and they are slack in their building practices. Well, they look and they say, no one can see now. So we'll quickly do this and then we'll cover it over. And so no one will see. And so what happens, though, after a little while, because you don't do it right from the beginning, it begins to fall down later on. And, of course, they ring up the Builder's Services Authority and they say, Hello, the builder did this, but it's falling over now. And then they come out with their little notepad and they go, Oh, yes, and they write down notes. And then, because you've got a license with them, they bring you up and say, Sir, would you like to come to this particular site? We want to talk to you about building project and then they give you a defect notice and you have to fix it up and if you don't fix it up they'll take your license away from you you see you can destroy it by putting a hammer through it or you can destroy it by just not doing it well at the beginning most of our lives are being destroyed because we're not paying attention to being diligent about our lives at the beginning when you start your life with Jesus, you need to be diligent about your life at the beginning. Don't be slack about this. Don't be slack about what you're doing or the, or the, way, you, the way you deal with yourself. Don't be slack about it. Because if you're slack in it, you will build into your life a weakness which will come out later on. The young people, you know, oh yes, I know. And Jesus says, you need to turn the TV off and you need to come and spend some time in the word of God and read and pray with me now. Just spend some time thinking about some things. I want to talk to you. That's the feeling you get inside when you're watching the TV, all the bright colors and everything. You think, oh, I shouldn't really do this. It's that feeling inside. It's God speaking very gently to you. Turn it off and come and talk to me. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Graham's not coming around till later it doesn't matter Mark won't ever know it doesn't matter no one can see me now I'm by myself it doesn't matter I can do whatever I like you know I don't have to worry about that you know and I can go to church and I can dress pretty and I can walk in nice and I can look really good and no one would ever know that inside of me there's a big crack there's a big flaw it's broken inside because I'm not paying attention to it and you're only fooling yourself Because in the end of the exercise, you will fall over. Because Jesus says, deal with yourself. Do what you have to do with yourself to fix it up. Don't be slack. Be diligent. Because if you are slack, you are brother to the one who destroys. You will end up in destruction. I remember as a young man, I, I, I... I'd just come home from living away from home and Jesus had saved me and I came back home, I started living at home and, you know, Friday nights, you know, bad bad nights, you know, Friday nights. Why are they bad nights? It's party time. You know, Friday nights, you know, when you get your fancy clothes on. It's when you go to the door and you climb in your car and you go down to the road and you see the chicky babes. And it's, ta- it's party time. It's time to drink. It's time to party. It's Friday night. Whoa, it's going to be wicked tonight. Because you come to Jesus and Jesus says, you know, I'm sitting there and it's Friday night and everything inside of me goes da 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 da, da, da and I'm going to out the door. And inside me, i got this little voice say, sit down and don't go out tonight. I, I don't want to sit down, it's Friday night. And so I walk down to the front door of the house and I put my hand on the doorknob and I'm going to go out the door. And as I'm turning the doorknob, I get this little voice inside of me and it says to me, if you go out tonight, I'm not talking to you again. That makes me a bit frightened. I'm thinking, who's that talking in my head there? I'm looking around. I think that sounds like Jesus talking to me. So what do you think I did? What would you do? I went back to my room. This is very boring. Everybody else is partying, having a wild time, going to the pub, drinking, out there having fun. Are you coming out tonight, Mark? I'm not coming out, I'm sitting in my room, I'm having some time with Jesus. How much fun is that? Not much. But you know what? Jesus is watching, and Jesus is looking. He wants to see if I will be diligent with my new walk. If I will be diligent with my walk with Jesus. It's not before man I'm standing, it's before God I'm standing. I want to show God my Father. I I mean business with him. I want to do what, and if it means I miss on a Friday night party, well I miss on a Friday night party because I would rather have God's praise than man's praise. Think about that. Think about that. Be diligent in your life. No one else can see, but God knows and he's watching and he's looking to see if you're a good workman if you've got diligence in your heart. So we are God's fellow workers and we're meant to be diligent and careful and persistent work and effort should be about what we're about and careful first with our own lives. Liz last week used this passage of scripture. Let those who wait for you, O Lord, God of hosts, be ashamed, uh, let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. And what what the psalmist was saying is, I don't want my life to shame people. I don't want what I do to confuse people. Why do we need to be diligent? Because if we are not diligent in our lives and being like Jesus wants us to be, what happens is somebody who's watching us says. You call yourself a Christian and you do that? That's a shameful thing. You call yourself a Christian. How can you be? I'm really confused now. I thought Christianity was meant to be different, but you are doing everything that everyone else does. You just say you believe in God, but that means nothing. It doesn't change anything. You still do the stuff that everybody else does. You do drugs, you do drink, you do sex, you do everything else, just like everybody else does. You know, we need to look at that and say, Lord, I don't want anybody to be ashamed. I don't want to confound anybody. I want to live a life that is different, to show Jesus' difference. In First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, it says, Do you not know that in a race, and this is Paul talking, He's talking about dealing with yourself. He says, "He says, do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize?" Then he says, "Run in such a way as to get the prize." And he's thinking about the Greek uh, games, the probably like the beginnings of the Olympic games. You know, they have races. He says, "Only one is going to be able to win." So they all go to training. He says they all get really serious. They all focus. You know, they focus really hard because they want to win that race. Only one can win. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. He says, therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, I'm thinking of a cyclist here. What's his name? Armstrong. Lance Armstrong was meant to be a Christian too, hey? Now here you go. If you want something to shame you and to confound you, here's a man who says he's a Christian, got a great big charity behind him, keeps on winning these bike races, and then it comes out that he's a liar and a drug taker. And people are just completely ashamed and confounded he didn't do this winning was more important than honesty That this is the very thing you know it's not about winning before people that's important it's about winning before God and you win before God when you listen to God and you obey God It doesn't matter what anybody else says that's when it's important What does God want us to do? What is God speaking to us about? I'm going to make sure that I'm going to buffet my body because I don't want anything to happen in my life that is going to bring shame or blame to the name of Jesus. What does that mean for me? Well, maybe it means I have to get up early and get focused. Maybe it means I have to turn the TV off and get focused. Maybe it means I have to read more. Maybe it means I have to pray more. It means a whole lot of things. I have to think differently. I have to stop thinking certain things and start thinking other things. It means my life has to be different. And there's no one else who's going to actually do that for me. I have to do that for myself. I cannot get into your head and make you do this. If that was like that, it would be a cult and I'll be forcing you to do it. I cannot make Sam do what Sam needs to do. Sam has to do it himself. Inside, he's got to connect with the stuff. He's got to say, yeah, that's me. I've got to do that. I've got to stand up. I've got to be the man now. I can't make Abby do what Abby needs to do. I can't do that. Abby is the only one who can do that. She's the only one who can take it and say, you know what? It's time to change. I have to do this now. I have to do this. I can't do it for Michael. I can only do it for me. I have to be diligent, but I have to be diligent for me. I have to change me. When Graham came to this church, he was different to his now. He's been changing. And why is that changing? Because we all kind of rub on Graham and make him form. No, Graham is changing because Graham is dealing with Graham. I can't change you. I can't do that. You know, I cannot change anybody here. Vicky can only change herself. Think about that. You have to be diligent. You have to say, you know, who's going to take responsibility for moi? The government will look after you. No, the government won't look after you. Who's going to take responsibility for you? You are. And if you don't, I can't help you. Now we can all tell each other about how bad it was for us when we were growing up. And we can all call the victim t-shirt, you know, put it on here. I'm the victim. I'm the biggest victim. You know, it's been bad for me. Some of my brothers and sisters from Africa, I have not an idea of some of the pain that you have been through in the life in Africa. I I wouldn't even begin to even start to imagine what some of that stuff was like. I can't imagine it. But how do you walk 6,000 kilometers to find a place so you can come to Australia? I can't imagine walking to Perth. But you know, that's not enough. To say, well, I'm a victim, and then you know, you know, look after me. It's not enough. You have to deal with yourself. Bahari still has to deal with the God. Speaks to Bahari. I remember you told me about a dream you were having, and God was telling you in the dream that you have to love certain people or something like that. I think I remember that when we were talking in the car. Yeah, you know, and and who's responsible for that? I can't make Bahari do that. The Holy Spirit can speak to Bahati, but only Bahari can do that. Only Bahari can take responsibility for that. He has to deal with that. He has to take responsibility. If he doesn't do that, he'll disqualify himself. You lose. You look like you're going to win, but you get disqualified because you didn't deal with you. You can tell everybody else how they want to live their life. But when it comes down to it, you know, you have to live it yourself. You can't do it by yourself. You need Jesus. That means you have to walk with Jesus. Because he's the only one who can help you to do this. First Corinthians chapter ten, verses one to thirteen, we're given a whole context of Israel. We, we hear about Israel and how Israel followed uh, Moses through in through the Dead Sea, uh, uh, sorry, through through the Red Sea, and then. Uh, baptized through the cloud and then through the sea and then they walked in and they ate bread and they, they, they were following Moses and they, they drank out of the spiritual rock which was Jesus and then some of them were caught into sexual immorality and God destroyed 23,000 some of them were grumbling and God destroyed some more and some of them and only only a few got into the promised land because only two really got into the promised land apart from the children because of the wickedness that was in them they wouldn't deal with themselves and then he goes and says he uses all of that he says And this stuff is written in the Old Testament. He says, it's for you to, to, as an illustration that you should. And he says, these so you could think. If you are standing firm, be careful you do not fall. He's saying there, take heed to yourself. Think about it. If you think you stand, take another look. Don't become too confident. Put your faith in Jesus and start to become diligent in your own life. You know, uh, <laughs> we get away with it, don't we? Uh, no one's there to tell you and no one's there to say stop. You think you get away with it. You know, we, we, we can go and, you know, it's, it's lovely and we think, it doesn't matter if I do this little thing. It's a little thing. It's only a small thing. It's only a thought, Mark. I know I shouldn't think that thought, but it's only a thought. It's only a meditation. I should. doesn't matter. No one is getting hurt if I'm thinking a wrong thought. After all, I'm not doing anything. I'm just thinking a wrong thought. It's the beginning of the end, folks. You've got to take hold of it. If you think you're standing firm and you can think you can think the wrong thoughts, be careful because those thoughts will turn into attitudes, will turn into actions. Before you know it, you'll have a habit. You'll be doing the wrong thing consistently. Why? Because you will not pull out the thought. Gotta stop the thinking. In Psalm 110, verse 3, and I like this verse, it says, Your troops will be willing on the day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty. I like that. I mean, this is talking about the troops that Jesus has or the troops of God's army. It'll be willing. Willingness. Uh, Look, who wants to live in a new village? Put your hand up if you want to live in the new village. I mean, seriously. I mean, if you'd... Okay, it might be ideal, and it might, it might be like, oh, this is fancy, Mark, you can never do this, but we'll just, I, I just want to go there, I want to dream, okay? Who, who wants to dream to live in a community that is like God's community? Put your hand up there if you want to live in God's community. All right, well, uh, you're part of his troops. And part of that is that they're going to be willing, willing. I don't have to say, oh, come on, come on, Jesse, let's do it, Jesse. Oh, I don't know whether I want to do it now. You know, it was okay back then, but I've changed my mind now. I think I want to do something else. No, if he wants to be part of what God does, you know, Jesse's going to say, you know what? I know it's hard for me, but I'm willing. Let's do this. It's going to take some effort, but let's do this. Let's, let's get up there. It's like when we were mowing the lawns the other day. Hey, it wasn't something that I, you had to do. It wasn't something that you were forced to do. It was just something you wanted to do. It was something that you chose to do. He was willing. God's troops are willing going to take some effort it's going to take some time it's going to it's going to crowd us in but we're going to be willing everybody say i want to be willing, willing. convince me willing. you really want to be willing yes. are you sure can i suggest some things to you then <laughs> Ah, that's where the problem starts. If I say I'm willing, what are you going to ask me to do? (laughs) Well, I'm not going to ask you to do anything because I want you to say I want to be willing to Jesus and let him tell you what to do. Because once he tells you what to do, it's not my problem. It's your problem and his. So God's fellow workers are diligent. Diligent. Now, I looked for this verse for a long time. I sat there and searched all the way through Proverbs looking for this verse because I could remember the saggy rafters. And it says, if a man is lazy, the rafters sag. If his hands are idle, the house leaks. You all know what a rafter is, don't you? Who doesn't know what a rafter is? Put your hand up if you haven't got a clue. All right, okay. See that big thing there? That's a big steel rafter. And those things that are above it, they're called joists. Okay? So that big beam that comes up like that, it's a big beam that goes, and that thing right across there would be your rafter. I mean, it's very simple to that. I mean, I know it's something else, but for, for the exercise, that's what a rafter is, that thing. Now, if you make that out of wood, because it's got a long span in it, that means it goes from there to there, it's a long way. If you don't keep on watching it, generally what happens, they sag you know what a saggy rafter looks like it's like that something made in japan it's got a big sag in it you know like that you know saggy rafters and saggy rafters produce a floor on the top so when the rain comes when there's a saggy rafter guess what happens to the roof the water comes in it leaks So he's saying to us there in Ecclesiastes, he's saying that if you're lazy, if you don't deal with yourself, if you don't deal, your roof on your house, the house of your life is going to have saggy rafters and you're going to get wet. Look, he's saying, pay attention to your life, pay attention to the way you live. Pay attention, be diligent. I mean, everybody else may say, oh no, we can go and party, but Mark, you pay attention to the detail. Don't go and party because I want your rafters to be strong. What would have happened if I'd went out and partied that night? Would I be standing here today? I don't know. You have to pay attention to the detail. You don't want your rafters to sag and you don't want to be wet. When the storms and the rain come in, you don't want the water to come into the house. Jesus told a parable, he says, there's two people that are building. He says, one person is building, he says, and he's building on a rock. He says, that's a good foundation. He says, and the wind comes and the rain comes and it blows against the house and the water smashes up against it, but the house stands strong. It doesn't move, it's strong. After the wind and the rain goes, it's still standing there. Sandy went through and this house is still standing there It's not blown over Another man, he's building his house on the sand No foundation there He says when the wind and the rain comes And the water blows in The whole thing falls over And it's just a mess The whole thing is destroyed And you know what he said What the difference was? The difference between the man who built his house upon the rock and the man who built his house on the sand. This is what he said. No, you're not building your house on Jesus. Jesus is not the rock that you're going to... He says, those who hear my words and do it are like the man who built his house upon the rock. That means pay diligence. Listen to what he's saying and do what he says. If you do what he says, then your house will be strong. If you disregard what he says, if you don't listen to him, then you're going to have shaggy rafters and the water's going to come in. You want to, you want change in your life? Have you reached the end? You've had enough now. How much more sin do you want to destroy you before you say stop? I could start punching. I could start punching my brother in the face here, Ray in the face. I'll start punching. Bang, bang, bang. You know when does he want it to stop? Tomorrow. If I keep punching, maybe the next day, keep punching. When, do, when would he want it to stop? Before it even starts, he'd want it to stop. You know, we do that with sin. We keep on sinning. It's like punching ourselves in the face. When do we, we think, well, why am I hurting so much? Why is there so much pain in my life? Why am I suffering so much? Why are things going wrong in my life? Listen, sometimes when you do the wrong things, things go wrong in your life. It's God's way of saying, "Stop it, stop it. Start doing some different things." It doesn't mean that everything is going to go right when you start doing different things. That then the pain is different. You've got the pain of doing the right thing. That's a whole different wrinkle. That's a whole different thing. Then I'm not going out on Saturday night. I'm not going out on Friday night. Wait, I'm feeling pain now. I'm just missing out. It's not fair. Well, that's a whole different kind of pain, but I'm choosing my pain now. I'm choosing which pain I want. I want pain of destruction or I want pain of weathering the storm. I'm choosing now. I'm diligent. I want to choose the right pain. You can't escape pain. Choose the right pain. Do you understand what I'm saying? Be diligent. First Peter. Chapter one, verses thirteen to sixteen says these words. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you in Jesus when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's saying look, before you can actually start doing this building, you know, he says you have to prepare your mind for action. You have to be self controlled. You can't in I remember you, you start building a contract we 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 did a a a three-story renovation on the north side the the renovation started at the bottom floor and we had to pull out the big bearers underneath now there's a two-story building there we had to fill out pull out all the bearers underneath and we had to dig foundations down inside the building then we have to put steel up inside the building and put new girders underneath to hold up the floors above Then we have to punch a hole through the floor And we have to go up and put some more supports on top of those And we have to put new beams all the way through the house From the underneath all the way up through the house We have to get These 9 meter long Now 9 meters is from here From that wall to around about here That's around about 9 meters And that's just a little bit smaller Than that steel beam We have to take them up a hill We have to get them around the back And we have to come through a door this big We have to take them through the door. There's two of them we have to do. Take them through the door, then we have to cut off the top of a wall and we have to lift it up and put it on top of the wall and build the wall around it while we are not destroying the other side of the wall with all the fancy corners on it. We have to do that and we have to do it carefully. You have to prepare your mind to act. You have to be self-controlled. If you're not self-controlled, if you're fooling around, you'll kill somebody. Those things will kill you. We have to think about, Nathan and I sit down, how are we going to get this steel from the front yard? You can't lift it. It's too heavy to lift. Up to the back. We can't get a crane because there's no, the crane can't reach out the back. How are we going to get that from there up to the back and then back into the house? Nathan is strong, but he's not that strong. So we create wheels. And we put it on wheels. We prepare our mind for action. We think about how much manpower we need to lift it up the steps, lift it up the rocks, lift it up the hill and drag it up the hill. So we get the manpower there to, to begin to work this process. We put the wheels, we make the wheels, we, we 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 weld the thing together. We've got it on this and we start to move it up the hill. We move it up the hill, back past the swimming pool and back down and we're facing down into the door. As we're going into the door, We've got to take it into the room now who where it's got to go. There's six of us. We're thinking about this. We're careful. We're thinking about this. There is an ornate antique basin on the side of the room that she doesn't want broken. We have to go past that to get it into the house. We get it in. We lift it up. We've cut off the top. We hold it up in place. We're climbing on ladders now with this beam on our shoulders. Ladders all the way along, men underneath it, one step up. One step up. It takes a mind prepared for action. It takes self-control. Don't fool around. You fool around, you're going to die. And we did it. And then said, how did you do that? You've got to prepare your mind for action. You've got to be self-controlled. We didn't break the basin. Not then. (laughs) It was a moment when people were not self-controlled. It was a moment when people were not thinking. When people were fooling around. That was the moment that the basin got broken. Prepare your mind for action. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know what holiness is? It's an awful thing. It's this living right before God. Holiness is simple. It's just simple. When God tells you to stop, stop. When God tells you to do something, do it. Holiness is not hard to do. It just is obedience so if you've lived your life learning to be disobedient you have to change that now you have to become soft and gentle you have to say Lord Jesus we still we talked about that on Tuesday night didn't we we talked about poverty of spirit and what poverty of spirit looks like it's this gentleness of spirit which says you know what Jesus I can't do this by myself you need to help me I want to do what you have to do but help me do what you have to do you know help me help me help me I I need you to help me I am so poor in spirit I need you to help me that's the sort of attitude you have got to have Don't be too proud about it. If you need help, ask for help. Ask Jesus to help you. He wants to help you. For those who are just new in this, you're you're asking Jesus into your heart. You're finished with the bustedness. You don't want to be busted anymore. You want a change in your life. Friends, I want to tell you something. The Bible says, like newborn babies, desire to see the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in terms of your salvation. What does that mean? Well, it means that if there's a Bible at the back and you don't have a Bible and there's three Bibles at the back there right now, I can just go down and grab a Bible. You know, that's just really good. I mean, if I went and buy a Bible, it probably cost me $4, $5, maybe $7 to get that. $7, $7 $7.95. God's word. As newborn babes desire it, do you want to change? You know, society's told you all the wrong things. What should I be thinking? What's the right thing to think? What's the right thing to do? Do you really know? If your head is so screwed now and you can't think right, you don't know what's right, what's up, what's down. You don't know where it is. Where are you going to find what's right and what's wrong? Jesus is going to talk to you through this book. And if you're really serious about your new walk in God, you're just hungry, like a baby would hunger. You know, ever ever had a baby that's not being fed? Ever had a baby that's waiting for the breast? Mum's not there to feed it. What does it sound like? Oh, shut it up! Put something in its mouth quickly. Stop it from screaming. Why? It's hungry for food. Are you that hungry for God's word to know the difference? Do you want a Bible? It's yours. It's free, yours. Read it. God told me to give it to you. Don't ask me why that was about. So listen, deal with yourself. It's easier to play games. It's easier to chase the fantasy. He says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men and chosen by God and precious to him, that's Jesus, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are being built into this village. As you begin to deal with yourself, you begin to be built into this village. This is why Paul says to Timothy, says, Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing these instructions so that, I, so that if I come I, I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. He says, I'm writing these things so you know how you ought to live in God's village. So you read it. It'll tell you how to live. Listen to what he says to you. You'll feel it on the inside. It's like he'll come and he'll speak to you here. It's a mysterious thing. It's an incredibly mysterious thing. It's like you've got a voice on the inside that speaks to you. Listen to him. The Spirit clearly says, In latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Yeah, you have to pay attention because if you're not focused now, guess what? You will be taken away. He says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. You need to be diligent. I need to be diligent. We all need to be diligent. If we want to achieve this, we have to pay attention to the detail. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because you do not know. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That's the point. You know, how is Sam going to convince everybody else that... Life is different with Jesus. Now, uh, well, They may say, well, we know you, Sam. We know you. Well, I don't know you, but they may know you. How are you going to convince them that it's different now? How are you going to convince them, Vicky, that it's different now for you? Don, how are you going to convince them? What, how, how will I convince Liz, how are you going to convince them? Winifred. How are you going to convince them? I'll tell you how you convince them. You live differently. That's it. You live differently. And when you live differently, they go, what's on there? What's happening there? Abby's not the same as she was. Is that good or bad? Good. That would be good if you're not the same as you were. Okay, that would be good. But well, what happened to her? This is not Abby, then it's Abby and Jesus walking a new walk. Abby and Jesus doing something that they've never done before. We're part of a different village, we're part of a different people. We're going to live differently. And if it's not the clothes that we wear, if we can't all wear the same uniform, we will have the same character. We will clothe ourselves with the same character. And then people say, you know, that's one of those crazy people who go to that crazy village. You know what they are? They're different. What do you want to be? You want to be the same as everybody else, Nathan? You want to be cutting it with your mates? Doing all the same things, James, that everybody else is doing out there in the world. What are you going to do? What do, you want, what do you want your life to count like? What do you want, Mandy? What do you want it to last? You know, at the end of the thing, what do, they, what do you want them to etch on your stone, if they're going to etch something on your stone? Uh, she was like Jesus. Would be a good one, wouldn't it? Got to be different. But difference just doesn't happen. Different comes with diligence. Diligence. You have to be diligent to be different. It takes guts. It hurts like blazes. It means you have to say no to yourself sometimes. But in the end of the exercise, I want people to see Jesus. That's more important than anything else. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Everybody say that with me. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us to be diligent with our lives. You never leave us alone, Holy Spirit. You speak to us every day. We are all witnesses to that fact that you, by your Holy Spirit, have spoken into our consciences and we know when we do the wrong thing, Father. We know before you because our conscience bears witness that we are not doing the right thing. Father, I thank you for making our conscience alive, Father, and I ask, oh God, that you would help us to listen to the voice of conscience and to follow the lead of your Spirit, Father, and to be diligent even if it hurts us even if it costs us, even if it means, Lord Jesus, that we are not doing the things that we so much like to do, Father. We want to be diligent. We want to be your workmen, Father. We want to be good workmen. We want to build a village whose maker is God. Help us to be that village, Lord Jesus. Help us to help each other. Lord, touch us and move us by your spirit, we pray.